All right, hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you'd throw your hand up, if you forgot your Bible, grab one of these Bibles here that these, these uh, uh, ushers have for you. Throw your hand up, grab one of these, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, you're just kind of coming here, and you're, I, don't, I don't even, have, just throw your hand up, grab one of these and take it home as our gift to you, where you can grab God's word and read about the creator of the universe who has a love for you. So grab this, take it home, read it for yourself. For now, go to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in the New Testament. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. As you're turning there, I, I kind of divide um, our world up into uh, really two different categories of people. Um, there are those who walk into Walmart in November and they hear Mariah Carey singing All I Want for Christmas and you're like, what is going on? It's too early. I don't even have the pumpkins off my porch yet. What's with Christmas already? Right? right? Maybe, maybe that's you, all right? Or, or there's the person who walks into Walmart and you're like singing right along to Mariah Carey. You're just loving it, right? Here's a little confession time, okay? Uh, I'm in the second category. If, if they wanted to play Christmas carols in October, I'm cool with that, all right? Like, I love it. Our, our house, first of November, we start decorating our house for Christmas. We just, I just love it. I, just, I love the anticipation of it. I love the excitement of it. As a kid, it was, it was really all about the presents, right? Just you can't wait to see what you're going to get for Christmas morning. When I, I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, and so, so my mom would, maybe you guys still do this, she would save up the, I got to buy my kids socks and underwear anyways, let's wrap them up, right? So we got a lot of that kind of presents, but there was always that one present you would get. You knew you were getting one present, but here's the other thing that I remember as a kid, my grandparents would also bring a gift, and they usually had the best gifts. And so I remember one Christmas just anticipating, waiting, hoping. I can't wait to see what grandma and grandpa are bringing this Christmas. That Christmas morning comes. I tear open the present from grandma and grandpa, and no joke, it was a calculator. Now, for real. All right, there's some of you here, you're like, oh, that would have been awesome. Because you were like the 12-year-old boy who knew you wanted to be an accountant, the, the 12-year-old girl who knew you wanted to get into finance. You're like, this is so cool. That was not me, all right? Uh, as a grade six boy, the only thing I'd done with calculators up to that point was turn them upside down and see what kind of bad words I could spell, right? No? Anybody else with me on that one? Okay, thanks. All right, you got me, got me back on that, right? Here's what it was. It was a solar-powered calculator, and they thought, hey, the whole solar-powered was super new at that time. They thought, won't Kai be excited to bring his solar-powered calculator to school and show his friends? I was not that excited. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the thing. The reality of this story probably says way more about me than it really does about a calculator. But, but I think you can identify when we put our hope in something, when we're longing for it, waiting for it, anticipating it, and then we're let down. It's what we call misplaced hope. I know you've done it. I've done it. Maybe you're doing it right now. I, I know I've certainly been there where I, I have my hope placed in things that just can't deliver. And there, there, there are things, there are people, there are situations we put our hope in that will ultimately, ultimately disappoint us. Whether, whether it's people, whether it's, it's, it's a government or ideology, whether it's our success, whether it's our marriage, our family, our schooling. And th these aren't bad things, but, but, but every one of us has experienced the, the letdown of living in a broken world where hopes don't always come true. If you don't have a church background, in Genesis 1 and 2, in the very beginning of God's word, we, we read about uh, God creating. 
And God creates everything. And, the, and, and as he creates it, he says, this is good. And there's this, this, repre- this, this refrain, this repeating word over and over again. He, he creates, it's good. He creates, it's good. He creates, it's good. He creates, it's very good. You get this picture of this, this rhythm of creation. In, in, in Hebrew, they would call it shalom. There was a peace. God's glory is seen. Man and women are flourishing. And then in Genesis 3, sin enters into the world through the rebellion of the man and the woman, and and it fractures our world. It fractures the cosmos. Everything now impacted by that sin. And and so now, what what do we have? Now we experience life in this Genesis 3 world where we experience brokenness, we experience loss, we suffer, and at times our hopes can be crushed. I think everybody knows that something is wrong in our world. It doesn't matter if, if, if you have a religious background or not. There's this longing in, in everyone, this longing that, that can't seem to be quenched. There's this, this hope we long for, and it's into this darkness that Christmas explodes. My, my favorite Christmas carol is, is O Holy Night, and I, I love the line in it where it says, it says, there's a thrill of hope, and the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And, and, and listen, we, we can miss the reality of Christmas. And, and I don't just mean miss it because of the busyness of family and presents and all that stuff that, that surrounds Christmas. I, I mean we can miss Christmas because we're so familiar even with the story of Scripture. And that familiarity of, oh yeah, God came Jesus, God, man came to earth and, and we miss the thrill of hope that that is. That into this Genesis 3 broken world that God invades. We, we see it here in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, it starts out here. It says this, in the sixth month. Now is that the, like the sixth month of the year? It's actually, it's a continuing of the story where, where Elizabeth, this, this old lady, God promised that she would have a child. And in the, in the sixth month of, of her pregnancy, it says the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now imagine this. This huge Massive, awesome God. The, the God who the psalmist says he can, he can measure the universe with the span of his hand. This, this awesome, all-knowing, all-powerful God becomes man. God the Son comes to live with us. He, he breaks into our darkness. It starts here with God sending an angel saying, Hey, hey I, I need you to go make an announcement. That the, the one that was promised, the one that was hoped for, he's, he's coming. He's breaking into the darkness with light, with life, with hope. And as we get that, as we understand that, listen, everything changes. And we really can have this, this thrill of hope. Christmas begins with this announcement of hope to this young girl in a nowhere town in the Middle East. 
This announcement that that rescue had come, that everything that the world was looking for, hoping for, longing for, it's now here. This message of hope. Now, I keep using this this word hope. Now, what is hope? Hope is, it's it's about an object that that we we put our our trust in. We're we're anticipating that whatever we're trusting, whatever we're hoping, and it's going to deliver something to us. So we're looking to someone or something to give us something. And so often, like I said before, we can put our hope in those things that can never deliver what we're hoping them to deliver. But, but here's what true hope is. True hope is this. It's this guaranteed future reality that changes my present situation. It's this guaranteed future reality that's so guaranteed it completely changes who I am today. That's hope. It's as I, I look to my future and all that God has for me, that I look at that and all that he has in store for me, as I think about that, what's ahead for me, that you're excited about it. And I know that in a room this size, there'd be many who, even today, maybe especially today, as Christmas is coming, you wonder if you ever really will have that kind of hope. You might be asking even this morning, will I ever be happy? Maybe this morning you're going through a tough season. Maybe, maybe it's financially it's a tough season. Maybe it's relationally and, and Christmas only highlights that. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's a struggle in your life right now. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer you've been calling out to God for and you just look around at your world, at your life, at the situation you're in right now and you ask, is there any hope? These are great questions. And listen, this is what I love about Christmas because Christmas is about the hope of God exploding into our hopelessness. Before we unpack this a little more, let, let me just stop and, and pray for us before we jump into the word. Lord God, I just pray, God, that you would be so clear this morning. That would be so clear that you are the God of the impossible. God, thank you that you, you desire to do a new thing, that you, you desire to, to do a new thing in Muskoka. You desire to do a new thing in our families. You desire to do a new thing in our lives, in our hearts. And God, I pray this morning as we unpack your word this morning, I pray for faith to grow in our hearts. I pray for those this morning stuck in apathy. pray for those who are distant from you. I pray for those who think you're distant from them, that you've left them, you've forgotten about them. Father, they could not be more wrong. And I pray this morning that we would have that thrill of hope. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our first point this morning. The, the thrill of hope, it invades right where I am. It invades right where I am. So, so when this announcement comes in, in Luke chapter 1, th- things were tough in the nation of Israel. Life was not good for them. It wasn't a great place to be. It was a very messy place. And here's one of the things I love about our church. I'll just say this. I love this. I, we, we're far from being a perfect church. We really are. We, we make tons of mistakes. We have relationship strife. We don't always do everything right. But here's what I love about our church, that it's a church where people don't have to hide brokenness and messiness. 
Where you go, yeah, yeah, life is hard right now, and it's okay. Where, where the mess isn't celebrated, but it's not hidden either, and we can, we can press in together as we seek out hope. Well, well here in, in Israel right now, things were messy. Things were not easy. This first Christmas was not a great time to be alive. You know, we, we kind of we shine up the story of Christmas. We make the manger scene look so beautiful and everything's so nice and pretty. And those shepherds, oh, wouldn't it be great to be a shepherd, and, right? And yet what's really going on, they're under a Roman occupation, being ruled by another government. That They have this, this tyrant of a, of, a, of a king. He's not even a king, but he calls himself king. This guy named Herod. I mean, Herod, who, who shortly after the first Christmas, what's he do? He goes around all of Israel and finds every boy under the age of two and executes them. That's the world they're living in. People were, were so helpless to change their situation, helpless even to protect their own families from a tyrant like Herod. I mean, if, if you were chatting it up with the people of Israel at this time, if you were actually hanging out with the shepherds, like, man, things are pretty rough right now, eh? The days aren't easy. What's your hope in? What, what gives you any sense of hope? Every single one of them are holding on to the very same thing. They were hoping in the prophecies of a coming Messiah. They knew that Isaiah said that he'd be born to a virgin, that, that Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem, that Malachi said that he'd be preceded by a messenger who would announce his birth. In the midst of their hopelessness, that's what they're looking forward to. So you see right away that this, this announcement of hope comes, and where does it come to? It comes, it says, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, now, Nazareth is one of those kind of towns where, where you'd say, where you, if you were from Nazareth and you were kind of traveling, hey, where are you from? I'm from Nazareth. Yeah, where's that? <clears throat> Do you know Galilee? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's near there. That's where it is. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in the Talmud. Josephus, the, the first century historian, doesn't talk about Nazareth. It was this nothing little town. It wasn't a town of thousands. It was like a town of dozens. And that's where Gabriel shows up. Why? Because God meets us where we are. And, and who's the announcement come to? He, it goes on. It says it comes to this Nazareth town, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So there's this, this young girl betrothed. It means she's engaged to Joseph. Now, in this culture, it's a little different. You're, you're legally married, but you haven't consummated the marriage yet. So she's a virgin betrothed to this guy named Joseph. And Gabriel comes to this podunk town of Nazareth to this unknown girl named Mary, and he gives this announcement. Look at verse 28. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, why would Mary be troubled with this greeting? I mean, the obvious is uh, an angel's talking to her, Right? Now, when angels show up, they always start with saying, fear not, right? We get this uh, weird idea, maybe cartoons or, or paintings of angels are these chubby, cute babies with bows and arrows and little wings, all right? That's not what angels were. If that's what angels were, the angel wouldn't have said, fear not. It probably would have said, giggle not, right? But it didn't say that, right? Angels are these warriors of God, and they're showing up. And every time they show up, they're telling people, hey, 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 don't, don't be scared. This angel, so, angel shows up and speaks to Mary, so that could be why she's troubled. 
But look what the text actually says. She was troubled at what? Not, not at an angel. She was troubled at the saying. That this angel would come and say, hey, God has favor on you. That an angel would be sent by God. Imagine that here this morning. If, if a, a police officer busts in those doors there and says, hey, everybody, I need your attention. There is a national security risk and I need, and they say your name. Would you not be troubled by that saying? Why would you need me? Man, I'm a nobody. Mary's like, uh, why are you coming to me, this poor peasant girl? A regular girl in need of grace. Listen, the, the fact that God shows up in her life and says, I, I have grace for you gives us hope. Don't blow Mary up into something that God's word doesn't say who she is. She was just a poor, obscure woman from an obscure town and she found hope. Why? Because God found her. Hope found her where she was. Here's our second point this morning that flows out of that, the thrill of hope that God would find us where we are, but that God would pour out grace on us. The thrill of hope is found when we see God's grace. Gabriel says to Mary, you're favored. You found favor with God. You found grace. Now, now maybe you've heard the, before the hail Mary full of grace, right? Grace, another word for favor. Now, the, the idea of, of Mary being full of favor, full of grace, it isn't that, that, that she has some power source of grace. Man, if we just plug into Mary, then we'll get this grace of God. No, no, she's full of grace. Why? Because God met her and poured out his grace on her. I mean, she gets it that it's grace. That's why she marveled at the saying. She cannot get her head wrapped around, why would you come to me? Like, like, you've got the wrong woman here. Like, I, I am not awesome enough for God to see me, let alone bless me. But listen, that's grace. Grace is getting the reward we don't deserve. It's nothing that we've earned. I mean, I think in our world today, we can become so weighted down by the, by the self-help section of Amazon and then everything's about, man, how, how are the ways I can improve myself? Man, you can even come to church and you can hear that stuff. Here's the three steps to a better life. And we're, we're burdened by that. We lose hope in that one. Man, I went through the three steps and I'm still left hopeless. Listen, the whole story of Christmas is that the God of the Bible, the triune God of the universe is after the hearts of men and women. He doesn't need or want a religious effort. He promises to come to us and transform our hearts. I mean, he, he wants in his love for us that we, that we would be moved more to delight in him, that we would experience this thrill of hope. That, that transformation that comes when, when you come face to face with the grace of God. I mean, that's so different. Listen, being changed by grace and living out of the thrill of the hope of God's grace is so much different than striving for God's favor. Striving to earn. No, no, we respond to the love given. Striving to earn, it doesn't work. It, it, it's, it's striving to earn is a bit like this. It's like when your toddler tries to help you do chores around the house, right? Comes from a great heart, not usually very helpful, is it? 
more mess to clean up than, than, than usually the help is given. Or, or if you've ever had your, your young kid come in from outside and go, hey, I washed the car. And you're like, oh, no, right? What do you think? At worst, it's going to be, at best, it'll be smeared. At worst, they've got this sponge dipped in muck and dirt and mud, and they're just scratching your car all up. That's striving. Gabriel says, no, 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 you didn't strive for this. Gabriel said, you found favor with God. God's poured out his grace on you, and it's so key. How do we have hope when, when nothing in our life makes sense? She didn't find hope in her, in her parents. She didn't find hope in her relationship with Joseph. She didn't find hope with her neighbors. She didn't find hope in her nation, in her religion. She found hope, why? Because God's favor was on her. And we live out of that thrill of hope. This hope comes that, that comes from knowing that, God, you've poured out grace on me. You've rescued me. You've redeemed me. Listen, let's make the favor of God, the, the grace of God, let's make that our focus. And listen, there is hope in that. When we make that our focus, when our life is about Jesus, when, my, when, when your life, when your purpose, when your identity you say, man, it's what God says of me. There's hope. Now, now when God pours out his grace on you, it, it doesn't mean that life will be all easy and, and sweet. Like, if, if, like if, oh, if I have God, then his favor's on me, then I'll have health and wealth and life will be grand and, and no problems because God's favor's on me. Yeah, look, look at Mary. She's found favor with God, and now the angel just said, hey, you're, you're going to give birth to a baby. Look at verse 31. You found favor with God, and behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. And Mary says, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born. So, so here's Mary, the favor of God on her. Now what's going to happen to her? Now she has to show up at the next family gathering pregnant. Hey, what's going on? You guys aren't even married. I mean, that culture, the, to, to be pregnant outside of marriage, by law, you could be stoned to death. She's got to go tell Joseph, the one she's engaged to, hey, Joseph, um, I'm pregnant. It's not your baby. It's God's baby. You think Joseph's going to buy that? So here she hears, you have favor. And already I can imagine her mind going, what? I'm about to, I'm about to lose everything. I'm already not that wealthy. And that now, now I'm going to be destitute and left alone. Like, like wouldn't you think if, if God said, here's my favor on you, he would have cut Mary a super big check right there? Here's your palace. Here's everything taken care of. I've already made an announcement that this, this baby is, is from, from me, so you don't have to worry about it. I've taken care of all. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't everything be just be working out so well for her? She has financial trouble. She has relationship struggles coming. And yet look at verse 38. Look at what she says. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be, let it be to me according to your word. She's got hope. In, in verses 46 to 55, she actually sings a worship song about God's grace. Why? Why would she have this hope when, when her circumstances are not going to get better? They seemingly are going to get worse. Why? Because again in verse 31, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. God has a plan and his name is Jesus. This, this name Jesus, it's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh, God saves. Saves from what? What if, what if Mary's main problem was not her finances? What if her, her main problem was not a bad reputation? What if her main problem was not relationship struggles, but her main problem, according to God's word, is a severed relationship with God? And now Jesus is coming to restore that. That's our hope. I mean, the fact that her pregnancy meant that under law, she, she, would, she would be under the penalty of death. Listen, listen how cool that is, though, that, that Jesus was born to a woman under the curse of death. Because, listen, we, the whole human race, are under the curse of death. And Jesus was born to us that he would take our place to pay the penalty for our sin. Anybody comes to, to him in faith, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, repenting, turning from these things we put our hope in, whether it be sin or whether it be religion, these false hopes that we're trusting, and when we turn from those and say, my hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And when you do that, you become part of his kingdom. It says here, his kingdom that has no end. He sits on David's throne to, to a Jewish Reader, they would read that and go, David's throne, because David's throne, it meant peace. It meant shalom. That Jesus would come to restore us back to what? To shalom, to Genesis 1 and 2, before the curse of sin. Now, how is that possible? Look at verse 34. Mary, Mary even asked that. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And is, this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So here we have Elizabeth, who was, who was barren. She was in her old age. Both her and her husband were well past child-rearing rearing age. She was barren, didn't have any kids. And, and, and what happens? An angel visits her. God, God, God does something in her, miraculous in her. But here's the thing. It, it wasn't impossible. I mean, there are people here today, and may, maybe as a, as a kid, you were one of those kids. that Your parents thought, we can't have any more kids, and boom, there you were, Right? Maybe you hear this as parents, and you were like, yeah, we, we couldn't have kids, and then all of a sudden, wow, I can't believe it. Now, the doctor said we were barren, but we weren't. And it's a miracle for sure, but not impossible. Mary, that's impossible. A, a virgin having a child, it's impossible. But look at verse 37. The angel says this, for nothing Nothing will be impossible with God. 
It's grace. I mean, that, that's our hope that, that Christ has come, that he's restored our relationship with God, done the impossible. All our rebellion against him, whether it be religion or, or, or irreligion, God's, God's response to that isn't that he leans away from us, but he pursues. He leans in. He sends. Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit conceives and empowers. God leans in. He's not leaning back in our sin and rebellion. I mean, that's phenomenal news, that God has not abandoned us in the mess, but he's pursued us and got his own holy hands dirty in the mess. He takes the initiative. Listen, that's what Christmas is all about, that, that God favors you by grace, taking nobody from nowhere and giving you a hope and a future. I mean, that, that, that's what God does. That's why we have this thrill of hope, this thrill of hope that changes the way we live our lives. Listen, I would say it this way. If, if, if you're not getting into God's word on a regular basis, if you, if you don't pray a whole lot, if, if, if you're an unforgiving person, if you, if you don't love well, serve well, if you don't talk about Jesus to too many people, listen, it's not a discipline, discipline problem. It's a thrill of hope problem. When you get the thrill of hope, when you see the amazing of amazing grace, man, you can't stop singing about how wonderful God is. It drives you into his word going, man, what, is, what else does God have to say? It drops you to your knees in prayer. It sends you out on mission. You turn into these, 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 these people that are just crazy, loving, forgiving, unconditional kind of love coming out. Why? Because you've come face to face with God's grace. You've seen the mess and you've seen his favor. Grace that says it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not about you cleaning yourself up so that God can pour grace out on you. It's coming in your mess, coming as you are, and God through Christ giving you a new heart. I love that idea that, that God is pursuing us, that God comes after us, that hope finds us. So let me ask you this, where are you this Christmas? What are your fears? What are your hurts? What are your doubts? Maybe you fear a loss of control. Maybe something's slipping out of your grasp even now. Maybe something's out of your reach. And, and you know this morning, you know there's nothing I can do in my own strength to make that happen, for that hope to be fulfilled. Or maybe this morning you're just hoping for something. You're just hoping and, and, and wondering, will this come true? Or maybe this morning you've been hurt by someone or something and you look at your heart and your life and it's irreparable. And you feel nothing's ever going to make that right. Listen, listen. Hope says that God can make that right. Hope says that God can make amazing things out of nothing, that, that he can heal the wounded, he can lift up the brokenhearted, he can give peace to the uncertainty. Why? Because hope can meet you where you're at. So allow it. And then stand in awe of God's grace.
The angel says, have hope because the son has been born to sit on David's throne. And listen, I know that for for many people, Christmas isn't a joyous time. For, For a lot of people, it represents a time where pain and loss and disappointment are even highlighted all that more clearly. God's favor isn't always easy. Sometimes, as it, as it was with Mary, it, it can include a lot of difficulties. But listen, it's always good. Why? Because it brings you all the promises and the presence of Jesus. And then we have this hope. We have this expectation, that, this confidence that the best is yet to come. It's not my best life now, but I know that through Christ... That you would know, God, you've transformed me. You've restored this relationship. You've promised a restoration of all things. You promised that things are all working out for good now. And, and, and that's the thrill of hope. My question for you this morning is what's your response to that thrill of hope? That the, the amazing of amazing grace. How do we respond to that? Here's our last point this morning. It's this. The response to that thrill of hope is that I would surrender my whole life by faith. That I would have faith in that hope. Faith is it's just, just trusting that, that, God, your promises are true and your promises are based on your character, not my circumstances. And, and, and so this, this faith I can have, this hope that I can have, I'm going to believe what your word says. I'm going to live differently because of this hope that I've got. No, no matter how I feel, no matter what the circumstance around me are saying, I'm living this out because I've got this hope. Mary asked the right question. She said, how will this be? And I love it that faith doesn't mean we, we can't have any doubts. Faith doesn't mean that you, you can't ask questions. Faith doesn't mean you can't share your struggles with God and say, God, I don't get this. But there's a way of asking questions of God. There's a way that's cynical and prideful. You say, yeah, right, as if God's doing that. God, why aren't you showing up? God, where are you? There's a way that's prideful in the asking, but there's also this this humble way of asking a question of wonder and faith where you could look at your circumstance and you would say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But God, I know you're at work. I know you love me. I know you've changed me. I know that nothing will be impossible with you. I mean, do, do you believe that? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? I mean, do you believe that God could take a virgin like Mary and give her a son? Do you believe that God could take on human flesh and, and enter into humanity as Jesus Christ? Do you, do you believe that, that Jesus would raise from the dead, that, that he would forgive your sins and, and raise you from death? Do you have that hope that nothing is impossible? Listen, nothing is impossible with God. It's, it's, it's not, this is why we're hopeful. This is, this is why we sing. This is why we pray. This is why we, we, we live out lives that are different, that are, that are radically filled with love for other people that, that, that God sends us out. Why? Because we believe, man, nothing's impossible with God. In 10 years that we've been doing church together here, and we've seen the impossible. Listen, I get greeted every Sunday morning by someone who you see the impossible set free from addictions. And every time I see him, he's filled with joy. Why? Why? For God's grace. His circumstances are still hard. 
but he's filled with a thrill of hope. Just this past month, we've seen marriages that were destroyed by years of infidelity that are finding hope in grace as they walk towards restoration. I mean, I, I get to hang out with people, and I'm sure you do too, who have found Christ. And if they were to get up here and tell their life story and say, hey, let me give you all of it. Let me give you the full details. We would have to say, hey, anybody under the age of 13, maybe leave the room while they share their story, right? Stories of, of horrible brokenness, and yet now filled with the thrill of hope. God does the impossible. I just spent time this week with somebody in a hugely difficult spot. God has not yet answered what they're crying out for. They've been crying out for years for this. It's a, a hugely difficult season, but through tears, they said, but Jesus is so good. He really is who I need, and I can't wait to see him face to face. That's the thrill of hope. Our, our hope isn't in our stuff. Our hope isn't in our relationships. Our, our hope isn't in our politics. Our hope isn't in our, our religious system. Our hope is in the Lord. And nothing will be impossible with God. That's our hope. And Mary's response, again, I love it. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What she's saying, saying, God, whatever, whatever you say. I mean, that's our response to the thrill of hope. Where we say, God, I'm, I'm putting it all in. I, I, my whole life is in on this. I'm not, I'm not waiting for something better to come along. I'm not going to put a little bit in and hold on to something else that I think might give me hope in case you don't come through. No, it's like, God, I'm all in for you. There are only two places, two ways to go in response to Jesus. It's either full surrender or rebellion. But once Mary realized that the kingdom of heaven was real and it was coming upon her, it meant everything to her. It dominated her life. It, it wasn't just a religious thing she was doing. It wasn't just a hobby she had going on. It wasn't, well, hey, every few Sundays I kind of show up at this church thing because that's kind of what we do when we, when we become Christians. No, no, the thrill of hope invaded her life. And she's like, if this isn't real, I'm betting everything on this. I mean, I'll lose it all if it's not real. I'm not holding back. I'm not waiting for something else. I'm all in on this. That we would look at our hope we have, the thrill of hope of God's grace that, that Jesus died for me, took my sin, my failure, my brokenness, all my hurts, took all of that and gave me his righteousness in exchange for that. I mean, I'm all in. I'm sold out to that. That's the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope is not just that we look back at something that happened. It's not just us looking back at Christmas or at Easter. Listen, the thrill of hope, it's what fuels us moving forward as well. It fuels our serving. It fuels our giving. It fuels our praying, our time in the word. It fuels how we treat each other. It fuels how we see the world. I mean, the question is this, what about us? Is there a thrill of hope here? Do I have it? Is, are, is my heart changed? Is my world turned upside down because of the hope of Jesus Christ? I mean, how does it impact us? Because here's the deal. Churches are filled with people who have given up on any hope of a radically different way of life. Who have given up on hope of an abundant life. 
And what do we do? We exchange this promise of an abundant life in relationship with the holy, awesome God. We say, you know what? I'll just, I'll just kind of give that up for this religious thing that we do. Listen, I get it. I mean, I, I struggle with it. I'm like, God, I, I mean, listen, I'm no Mary. I don't know. Like, what do you expect? Listen, she was a nobody. A poor young girl in a nowhere town. But God sent Jesus to take the wrath for our sin, to be beaten and tortured. I mean, that's what should have happened to us, but it happened to the, to, to, to the one who we offended. We offended the God of the universe. That's his love for us. And we don't earn that love. We don't earn that restored relationship. You freely accept the gift. And if you're a, a follower of Christ, let's never forget that. If you've lost your thrill of hope, I would say this, ponder it. Ponder what Christ has done for you more. Spend time in the word. Encourage each other with stories of grace. Talk about it more. Sing about it more. Seek God's word for it more. In our staff uh, devos this week, we were just talking about this thrill of hope. And, and, and we're sharing a, I just shared a story that I'd heard online with, with all that's going on in China right now with, with this pastor who's been taken uh, as a prisoner and he's saying, I don't care, I'm still living for Jesus. And the church in China's going, we don't care, you can do whatever you want to us, we're living for Jesus. Thrill of hope, you see it, right? Well, there was a story they were talking about a, another pastor and his wife back in the early 1900s. They were being led away to be executed for their faith in Christ. And as they're walking along the road together, husband and wife, walking with guards, taking them to be executed, somebody said from the side of the road, hey, where are you guys going? You know what they said? We're going to heaven to see Jesus. That's a thrill of hope. Hope isn't a program. It's not an experience. It's not a religious system. Our hope is falling on our knees before Christ and saying, I can't do this. I need you. Listen, my, my prayer for us this morning, my prayer for us in this season, and I, I mean this, my prayer is that you would be blessed this Christmas season. Now, I really believe that God wants to do so many mighty, awesome, impossible things through us as a church, through you as a Christ follower. I believe that. I believe that he still performs the miraculous. But I also believe that it only comes through those who are broken who see their weakness, who know their need for the Lord, who are filled with the thrill of hope of God's grace. And that thrill of hope, God's grace, who Christ is, it means more to them than anything else. God works there. It's always that way. Would you stand with me as we pray before we sing again? I want you to do with your, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we spend some time just praying before we, uh, we end off in worship. You know, Mary's prayer was, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. I mean, would that be your prayer this morning? Maybe this morning your, your prayer needs to begin in another place where you begin by saying, Lord, you need to restore this thrill of hope. I've missed grace. And you, you would come to that place to, to see what grace really is again this morning.
and it would stir in your heart a thrill of hope that you could, you could then pray out, God, God, I'll follow you wherever you call me to go. Maybe you're in a tough place this Christmas. My prayer is this, that you would see the hope of Christ. That in the midst of the difficulties, you'd be able to say, there's a thrill of hope in me. Because yonder breaks a new morn. Because my hope is found in what is sure for me in my relationship with God. Maybe this morning, though, you're you're not sure about where you stand. And you don't know Christ this morning. You, you haven't come to that place where you put your hope in him and him alone. Then your prayer this morning would be, God, I need you. That this morning God has exploded into your hopelessness with an announcement saying hope has come. And this morning you'd be able to say, I want to receive that hope. Lord Jesus, that you would take my brokenness and my sin. You would take all the places I've run to for hope. Jesus, I recognize that I need you. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you this morning for the thrill of hope. That God, that in the midst of the heaviness of, of brokenness, in the midst of the, the, the weightiness of difficulties, that we can stand here with a thrill of hope. That we can say, but I've got Jesus. All his promises, yes and amen for me this morning. God, would you fill us with that hope and where we have put our hope in anything else that we would, we would let go of that, we'd repent of that and we'd come back to you, the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our life and we put our hope in you again. And because of that, we leave here with a thrill of hope. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.